on the belt to the plate. A swing and a miss, and that's the winner! That's the winner! A World Series winner for the Cardinals! Smith parks one in the right down the line. It may go! Go crazy, folks! Go crazy! It's a home run, and the Cardinals have won the game by the score of 3-2, to two, and a home run by the Wizard! Go crazy! Swinging a long one into left field! Adios! Goodbye, and maybe that's the winner! A three-run homer by Clark, and the Cardinals lead by the score of 7-5, to five, and they may go to World Series on that one, folks! What a team! What a ride! The Cardinals are world champs in 2011! Welcome to That's a Winner Podcast. I am Ryan Jenkins, and with me, as always, is Josh Brown. Sorry, got to get you going. Welcome to the new studio. Sounds a little different. I can already hear in my headphones a little oh, yeah. of an echo kind of going differently. Um, welcome. the new studio set up. New studio. We are far from ready. As you can see, there's nothing of Cardinals memorabilia really behind me. There's some bobbleheads and things poking through, but we're not all the way set up. But uh, you got a little bit of excuse, you know, moving to a house yeah. two weeks ago. So yeah, well, we're here. <laughs> uh, John Dent, John Denton is going to join us here shortly as well. So Josh, um, let's just get into, you know, we haven't been on since, I don't know, a month and a half or more yeah, now. It's been a little while. Yeah. So what has been the most surprising thing so far for you, um, you know, watching the Cardinals in spring training and then also World Baseball Classic, watching the Cardinal guys uh, playing for Team USA, Korea, Japan, all over uh, Canada, all over the uh, the world. Yeah, we've got guys all over in the World Baseball Classic, which has been kind of interesting. Um, I think surprising thing to me so far, I'm not as surprised by the hot start Walker's had. I think, I mean, it's super encouraging to see how just on fire he's been in camp. But um, the guy that I think has surprised me the most really with his bat is Mason Wynn. And I, I'll be curious to ask John when he hops on. He wrote an article the other day about Mason, and Ollie had a lot of good quotes in there just about how he seems like he's further along both physically in his hit tool and mentally. And Ollie was talking about kind of just the confidence that Mason has. And, of course, we already know about his arm at shortstop and the defense. He's made some slick plays. But there was one game, I think, early on, Walker hit like a 430-foot bomb. It was like his first home run of spring. And then like a day or two later, Mason Wynn hit one like 435 feet. So to see a guy that's like 5'10", 5'11", with that power and the tools that he has, just with his defense and his speed, he's, he, he stole 40-plus bases last year. He got he got caught like maybe two or three times. So he he's really, I think, been more the bigger surprise of camp to me so far. What do you think? Well, there's no chance he makes the team. Oh, no, no. Right? Yeah, uh, and because a lot of people have put out the, what, who their best, um, who their best lineup is, and a lot of people include Win, which m- could be accurate, but he's not going to make the team no. out of camp. Jordan Walker. Now, I don't understand how you cannot have him on the team coming out of camp. Yeah, I mean, if, if camp were to break right today, right now, you'd have to have to one hundred percent. And and I think the debate with that, and I'll be interested to ask John when he hops on, is you know, it's not like. Because Walker makes it, Carlson doesn't get any more starts. Or O'Neill doesn't get any more starts. Or Newt Boy, right? Like, those guys are still going to get plenty of starts. I think the people that you need to think of as the odd man out, if Walker does break camp, to me, is two guys. It's either going to be Juan Yepes or Alec Burleson. 
And I think right now Alec Burleson is probably the, the guy on the outside looking in. And if he is, then you need to look at packaging him in a deal with somebody to probably go after starting pitching is what is what I'm I would be, think. What I mean, what do you think? Well, don't you think the possibility of always leaving that open for injury? I mean, because yep. O'Neill obviously we still got two weeks of spring, right? And but you leave O'Neill usually has gotten injured uh, frequently, yep. so that leaves the possibility. But yes, I think Alec Burleson is is obviously the last man out. But one of the most surprising to me, I don't know if surprising or is thank you for coming around, is Nolan Gorman and yeah. how good of uh, how good he's played defensively and also how well he's done at the plate. I think today the Cardinals posted his OPS is like 900 or almost 900. And then obviously Donovan as well, who has four home runs in spring now, I do believe. And he had five for the St. Louis Cardinals all of last year. So what do you make of those two guys vying for the same position, really? Yeah, Donovan, I mean, that's true. The power stroke from him has, has been really surprising this spring. I think he leads the Grapefruit League in home runs right now, which is crazy. <laughs> and he had five all of last year. Yeah, and he's already got yeah. four. Uh, and, it, and it's interesting because his, his swing doesn't look that much different, but a lot like Lars and some of these guys have gone to driveline. He's worked on the bat speed. He's worked on the exit velocity. And it seems like he's paid off. It, it, it looked like early on he might be, he might be um, sacrificing batting average. For the power right, but I think his batting average now is back over 280, 290. He's still drawing his walks. So if he's a guy you throw in that can literally play everywhere, I mean, he won the utility gold glove, can do that and still provide you with some pop, some on base per- percentage. I think that's super exciting, man. I mean, it and, it and it opens up, I honestly think it opens up more playing time for Gorman because Donovan can play everywhere and you can use him as that super utility. You can use him to give Nolan a day off or you can use him to give. You know, O'Neill a day off in the left field if you want O'Neill to DH one day or whatever it is. He can play everywhere. And you know Tommy or you know Tommy Edmonds is going to be penciled in um, at shortstop right now. I do think Mason Wynn is the long-term answer Absolutely. at shortstop. So it would not surprise me even if a year from now, a year from this day, we're talking about Mason Wynn's your full-time shortstop and Tommy Edmonds back at second base winning gold gloves. But what happens to Donovan yeah. and Gorman? I think Nolan Gorman is is a long term plan for this team. I think Donovan was kind of like, oh, surprise, he, he's surprise. He's he played well, um, and then I feel like they would rather have power. But he's shown power this spring. But they'd rather have power in Nolan yeah. Gorman than they would Donovan, especially if Nolan Gorman can play second base the way that he has this spring. Um, Ali Marmol had said that they're going to try and get Nolan Gorman in places all over the place too, playing some third base whenever. Nolan Arenado has days off and things like that as well. So I think that is something to look for. Do you think Nolan who who starts uh, on opening day, opening day if it's a right-handed pitcher? Man, I think right now, I mean, it's got to be Gorman because he's tor- he's torching yeah. the ball too. I mean, he's stinging the ball. He and it's he, not just like swing and miss. It's not strikeouts. It's, no, it's today he had two singles and yeah. three RBI, I think, or something like that. Yeah, he did. And two singles that probably wouldn't happen. Right. And this is going to be the same case for Matt Carpenter, Joey Gallus, some of these guys. Right. Two singles that would have been singles if we didn't have the shift, right? But that's going to that's gonna help him as right. a pool guy. But he's also shown that he's got power to the opposite field, too. We saw that a lot last year. And so I think, I mean, yeah, right now, opening day, I think you've got to pencil him in at either second base or, or DH if it's a right-handed pitcher on the mound. I don't, I don't know who else I would would rather want okay but one of those two let's say he goes dh then who are you losing in the outfield because you gotta yep. then bump if you're gonna I, to me if you're going to have um jordan walker on the team yeah. he needs to play 
Oh, well, and Mo said that. They've yeah. said that about their young guys. The same thing when Carlson came so up. So who's the odd man He's out? He's not because coming up if he can't play every day. Because if Gorman is DHing, then one of the outfielders got to sit, right. right? If Gorman is at second, then Donovan can be your super utility guy, mm-hmm. and Walker can DH, or O'Neill can DH, or Lars can DH, and they can rotate however I think that's like what they're going to do. I think in this scenario, if you're talking about a right-handed pitcher on the mound for opening day, I think the odd man out would probably be Carlson. Yeah, because that was his weak point last year. It right. was left-handed hitting, a, a batting against righties. Now he's played well. He's got as three well. home runs this spring, and they're yeah. all left-handed. So he's it's a good problem to have, man. I mean, it's encouraging that all these guys, Gorman. Hey, you can't hit the high fastball. You need to work on your swing. Come back. He's he's killing the high fastball now. You can't beat him there, Carlson. You need to gain some weight. You need to put some some muscle on and, and be able to hit consistently left-handed. He's been doing that. And the only problem with Carlson and Young today, who is a late scratch is apparently they can't throw the ball right now because they've got arm fatigue. So I think, I mean, it's really simple for me right now. Like, who would be, you know, the starters or who would be the odd man out in terms of starting in the outfield right now? I think it's got to be Carlson because he he hasn't even, I think today or maybe tomorrow might be his first day, you know, back out on the field playing defense to be able to throw. Right, and we don't know much about that except that he's, what what was the issue? What did they say exactly? They said arm fatigue. Fatigue, I, right? Same is, thing with is that a Paul dead arm too. type thing? I don't, I don't know. I don't know what I mean. They haven't elaborated on yeah. it a whole lot more. Seems weird, and I mean, it doesn't seem like it's a Bryce Harper thing where he's going to have to get Tommy John. But where did it come from? Like, I have no did, idea. He, did he throwing too much? Throwing too hard from center field? Trying to hit? Maybe he let one catcher? loose early like, on. I don't get it. Look, man, that's how Burleson injured himself last year. Was it Burleson? Throwing Yepes. 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 Yep. from that right field. for a while. Yeah, from right field, and then in had that similar thing. So is that what we're talking about? But he can still hit, but he can't play the field. That's what it seems like. So it, maybe it is more of a Bryce Harper thing, which is concerning as well. Because He'd Dylan, really be the odd man out then. Because Dylan Carlson's best attributes should usually going to be in the defensive yeah. way. But they've also talked about exploring different center field options. So let's transition of who's going to be your starting center fielder. On opening day, I think that's the that's the fun question with the outfield right now. I, you've got Tyler O'Neill who's been playing center field for Team Canada, right? Uh, who just got waxed by Team USA last <laughs> night, twelve-one run rule. Uh, O'Neill was trying to throw out Goldschmidt, some of those guys home with some base hits up the middle was not close, <laughs> not because of him, just because they were stinging the ball everywhere. Uh, he's been playing center field. Lars Newbar, I mean, is just a Japanese sensation now. In Japan. Oh, I love it. I, I saw I saw a clip today that the, the the Japanese national soccer team is doing the grind the pepper grinder celebration now, man. He's just gone. He's just gone crazy. And he's played. It's not just been like, oh, we've got him, you know, right. American it's not a cheerleader. player. No, like and it's not even like is that country's fascination with him has been another major leaguer that's also American too coming over. He's played really well. Absolutely. He's been a huge part at the and top he's been of the lineup. Yeah. yeah. Been a huge part of the top of that lineup, getting base hits, driving in runs. Every time Otani's driving in runs, Newt Bar's there at home plate, you know, doing the the pepper grinder celebration on his home runs and RBIs. And he's made some just sensational catches in center field, man. He's looked really good in center field. He he really has. He's looked great all around. And he his friendship with Otani I have found very, very interesting. I love that. And, you know, when this first started, my thought was maybe Otani is one of the one few that can actually speak English very well because mm-hmm. Otani uses an interpreter, but he actually can speak English. And so my thought was maybe he, they, he could actually have a conversation with him. I don't know. Um, but 
do you think that their friendship has anything to like is that recruitable like you know we're friends now you want to come would you be interested in coming to st louis i mean obviously it comes down to dollars and cents on the dewitt side but he will be a free agent next year or the year after i think next year i believe it's this coming after yeah after yeah yeah, after this season so like is that a thing like hey newt here remember me we had a good time is that something that you think is real benefit at all you know i don't think it's gonna have that much weight yeah. Unless Newbar can convince, you know, the DeWitts to, ca- you know, well, money aside, shell out I know 500 money, I know money is a huge part. Be like, I love you, Newt. We can still be friends. We'll catch up in the offseason. But do you but think these guys make Yankees decisions? Yankees just gave me 500 million. Right. Do you think guys make decisions based on who they have fun playing the game with? Because Newt is a different guy that they've even said. Like, yeah. I think even John Mazalek said last year, maybe it was our Ollie, said, you know, we had to say, okay, Newt, let's let's calm down it's the third inning you know like like yeah. just chill out a little bit and some guys love playing with that type of guy yeah. and maybe otani really does like that because being in anaheim has probably sucked really i mean they he haven't had a, a lot to celebrate thing. about yeah and trout is not that guy he's not no. this jovial person and even there's obviously goldschmidt like coming on our team yeah. uh, you know in the event of coming to the cardinals but you have you know lars newbart like th- Arenado wanted to come to St. Louis because of the pedigree of the team. Yeah, and but, he, but on that end too, I'm sure Paul Goldschmidt being here kind of made that decision more of a want for Nolan too. Right. I mean, they were already kind of you know mutual friends and played in the same division, obviously. But now, now you're talking about another superstar player though too, uh, which obviously Newbar is not. He hasn't proven that. Sure. But you know, I remember Goldie's first two seasons with us, pretty stoic. He's yeah. very Mike Trout like, just goes about his business. But last season, man, he's you know he's laughing, he's he's just really getting into it. I think Newt Bar had a lot to do with that. No one's talked about how he loves Newt's energy too, so it could weigh into it. I think the money's obviously going to be the main factor. Well, absolutely, um, but also winning has to be a part of it as well. Well, yeah. we, well, we have John Denton now. Let me pull. Oh, him, hey, there uh, we go. Let me pull him up here. One second. John, welcome hey, to the show. How you doing? Thanks for having me, guys. How are you tonight? Good. I bet you're having a little better weather in Florida <laughs> than we are here in the Midwest. If my tan doesn't give it away, uh, we've had sunny skies every day, so we need some rain down here actually to knock down the pollen. But, yeah, it's been 85, 88, 87 degrees every day. All right, I'm sure that's exactly now. what people in the Midwest <laughs> want to hear. That's got to be a rough <laughs> life. We dealt with, you know, 25, 26 yeah, and no some kidding. snow today, so that was fun. <laughs> I'm allergic to that. No, thanks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Hey, thanks for jumping on with us, John. You know, you and I had a chance to meet a little bit at winter warm up, uh, back towards January. I had a chance to go to that writer's uh, round table with you and Derek Gould and Katie Wu and Jeff Jones, um, Katie and Jeff as well. Friends of the podcast. We've had them on. on so yes. we're happy to have you on as well. Good. We're just trying to make our way through all the writers, <laughs> just all the beat writers and get them on here at some point with us, but we're happy to have you on, man. We were just talking about Jordan Walker, obviously how much he's impressed at camp. I wanted to shout you out because you were talking about this at that Riders Roundtable back at Winter Warm-Up, and uh, he's he's making you look really good right now. You said then, <laughs> hey, this is going to be a legit competition. Jordan Walker's like, he's, he's really going to get a chance. And you were saying then he's the real deal. I know you talked about you had a chance last year to go down to Springfield, watch him for a game, write a story, talk with him. 
And you were talking about in January, this, this guy's a real deal. He might not be, you know, 40 plus home run guy right away, but he's going to be like 25, 30 right out the gate. And what's impressed me so far with him this spring is not even just the power because he's such a big guy, but he looks like a pure hitter. I mean, he's going the other way with pitches. He's making adjustments on the fly. That, that game the other day when um, he started against uh, Garrett Cole, I think Cole struck him out, which he was striking everybody out, right? It's Garrett <laughs> Cole. But he struck him out, I believe, on his first at bat. It was an inside fastball, 98-99, um, and just blew it past him. Second at bat against Jordan, he tried to do the same thing, and Jordan smoked a 108-mile-per-hour mm-hmm. you know, line drive to left field. What's been most impressive to you about Walker so far this spring? Josh, I mean, you kind of nailed it. I mean, he's not just a, you know, a 500-foot home run guy. He's not a one-trick pony who's going to mash the ball over the fence. He's a guy who's going to go the other way. He's a guy who's going to spray singles all over the park, and then he's going to hit one 470. Uh, you know, I think that's blown the Cardinals away. If you look back at his season last year at Springfield, he hit 300 every month but one last season. Wow. He's a 300 hitter who also is built like a tight end who also runs like a wide receiver, who also has a 3.9 GPA and a scholarship offer to Duke, who also has a mother who went to Harvard and a father who went to MIT. I mean, guys, it's like he was created in a lab somewhere. (laughs) And and you hear him talk. He's so smart. He's so humble. He has the most engaging smile ever. Uh, It's it's almost too good to be true. You know, I the Cardinals couldn't believe it. You know, they couldn't believe it. They sent Randy Flores to meet meet him when he was 17 years old because they said, well, you know, this all this doesn't add up. And Randy Flores came away from the meeting and said, wow, that's our guy. He was blown away. Uh, you know, I've got a, a big feature that I'm working on that's going to come out next week uh, about his background. And like I said, I mean, his, his family background is incredible. The kid is off the charts intelligent. He's so talented and you know, I, I just think he's on a collision course with greatness, and I think he's going to be in the lineup on opening day. Call me call me crazy, but I think he's going to be the starting left fielder on March 30th. Well, I think there's a lot of Cardinals Nation that's uh, agreeing with you right now and probably hopeful <laughs> for that. Right, and the thought is, is how can you leave him off the roster as is, and if he's up, then he has to be playing, right? I mean, if he's up, yeah. he's got to be playing. So can we overhype this? I feel like a lot of fans, they – uh, get too excited about, let's say, like Nolan Gorman last season. And Nolan Gorman pretty much Carlson played. the year before that? Yes. That season, yeah. But Nolan Gorman pretty much played ha- as anticipated, really. When you look at the numbers, what he had done previously, towards the end he was striking out a little more than probably uh, wanted. But he had he still hit the way that we expected. So can we overhype Jordan Walker too much and then he only hits 15 home runs in his rookie season <laughs> and people are upset about that? Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I totally understand it. And hey, uh, us sports writers, we're known for hyperbole sometimes, you know. But I mean, the Cardinals thought they would bring this kid to camp. He would struggle, you know, he'd go through his, his slumps and they could, you know, send him back to AAA. But he's been their best player in camp. I know 17 of their players are in the WBC right now, but he's been their best player. I mean, before he hurt his shoulder the other day, he was leading the Grapefruit League in six different categories. As a, as a guy who's never stepped foot in AAA, and, you know, I, I'm kind of giving away my age here, but this feels like 2001 all over again. There was a 21-year-old guy who had never played a day in AAA who came to training camp, and he hit, and he hit, and he hit some more, and that guy was named Albert Pujols, and that's yeah. what Jordan Walker has done. He's 20 years old. 
He's never played a game in AAA, and he's come up and he's proven that the moment is not too big for him, that stage is not too big. It doesn't matter if it's a AAA pitcher, if it's Garrett Cole, whoever it is, the kid has hit everybody thrown at him right now. His first 10 games, he had five multi-hit games. I mean, there's nobody he hasn't hit so far, and you know, he's made the adjustment to the outfield. Uh, I, I just think he, you know, his talent is too undeniable to send him down at this point. Yes, they have three good outfielders they could put out there tomorrow, but this kid, you know, deserves it the way he's played. And I just say, I think he's going to be great. And why would you send him down? Yeah, I agree. We were just, I mean, yeah. we were just talking about this. We were musing over the roster, right? Like if, if Walker's, let's say he's penciled in left field opening day, who have you got in center and who have you got in right? Because it seems like center right now has got to be Japanese sensation Lars Newbar, right? <laughs> Lars Newbar has taken over the world, isn't he? I mean, he's got all of Japan doing the pepper grinder. Yeah. <laughs> got little kids doing it. Lars is just a sensation. Uh, you know, I think if if I had to do a lineup today, I would put Jordan Walker in left. I would put Tyler O'Neill in, in, in center, and I would put Lars Newbar in right. Dylan Carlson, you know, I wrote a story about how he was eating 4,500 calories a day. He's put on weight. He looks a lot better left-handed with the bat, but he's had a strikeout problem so far this spring. Uh, you know, he may be the one guy that gets pushed out, or maybe it's a, a lefty-righty platoon with with Tyler O'Neill and Dylan Carlson. I still think deep down that Dylan Carlson's the best center fielder on this team, but Tyler O'Neill may offer the best package. So if I had my, if I was guessing today, I would say that it would be O'Neill in center, Newbar in right, and Jordan Walker in left. I think that's a good bet. I mean, we were talking to John, and you know better than we do, obviously. Um, you know, Dylan's been, what, probably about a week now removed from even being able to play the field. He's had some arm fatigue. We're not, this isn't as serious as something like Bryce Harper getting Tommy John surgery, right? No, no. This is, you know, a guy who just showed up and, you know, he worked a lot in the weight room this offseason. He worked a lot hitting the ball, but maybe he didn't throw as much as he needed to coming into the camp. It's kind of the same with Paul, Paul DeYoung. You know, Paul DeYoung has been in Jupiter since November, but he's been retooling his swing working in the cage every day. And maybe you don't throw as much as, as you need to. And, you know, this thing happens. Every team in major league baseball has a guy or two who kind of has some arm fatigue. And, you know, this time of year, you just shut them down. You let them DH and they get over it in three or four days that, you know, it's no cause for alarm whatsoever with, with either Paul or Dylan. So bringing up the young, which, you know, he he's been kind of a black sheep lately, especially <laughs> among Cardinals fans on Twitter, as I'm sure, you know, um, John, is there any situation in which this this year winds up being maybe almost like a Dexter Fowler type, you know, um, divorce of these two players? Like, do you see that as a possibility of the Cardinals eating his salary? Would it have to be like injury plagued again, just really, really struggling, and, you know, make a trade with him somewhere? Do you see can you see that happening with Paul? Or are they really just it seems right now like they're penciling him in as, as the backup shortstop and maybe a guy who can play some second or third every once in a while. Yeah, you know, every, everybody who knows Paul Paul DeYoung is pulling for Paul DeYoung. Like, he is the best guy in the locker room. He's so nice. He's so, you know, all about the right things. Paul just needs something to go his way. Like, he's a guy who had 30 home runs at one point in his career. You know, you keep thinking he can find this again. And he's put in the work. He changed – he made serious changes this offseason. His swing does look better. Uh, you know, they know he can field. They know he's solid at, at short. I'm surprised they haven't played him at other positions. 
I really thought with Nolan Arenado gone, I thought he would place in third. I thought he would place in second in this camp, but he's only been at short because, and he hadn't been there much because of the, the arm injury. They know what they have in him defensively. Now, if it goes bad the first month, the first six weeks, maybe they, maybe they cut bait with Paul and, and let him go and, you know, give him a fresh start somewhere else. But he's going to get the first shot because he can defend. They know they what they have in him. They can trust him at shortstop. If he'll just hit, if he'll just hit, he'll, he's fine. You know, we laugh sometimes. People in St. Louis, St. Louis has the best fans in baseball, but they tend to focus on the 25th and the 26th player when it's the other 24 that matter a whole lot more. Well, John, did, I, did I offend anybody there? No, I don't know. I, 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 I think that sensible response. Yes, but I, I, I agree with that. But I also understand sometimes that's the guy that helps you win the game at the last, sure, you yeah. know, whether that's a pinch hit, a pinch run or any of those types of options that, that can come down to it. So it can be very important if that guy's not hitting or that guy's not coming through. Well, let me ask you this, John. Um, who so far in camp has been surprising to you? Maybe it's something we someone we don't know about, don't see a lot. Um or even someone, you know, in the World Baseball Classic that has done more than you expected for the Cardinals, or or just some obscure player that we don't follow very much, um, you know, from kinda, the big league side. Kind of piggybacking on that last question. I mean, Mason Wynn, if Jordan Walker's been the most impressive guy at this camp, Mason Wynn might be the second most important guy, like the impressive. They knew he had the 100-mile-an-hour arm. They knew he had the flashy glove. They had no idea that he would be hitting opposite field home runs or that he would hit a 435-foot home run. Now, people will say, okay, don't put Paul DeYoung on the roster, put Mason Wynn on the roster. Well, that's not going to happen. If you have a guy like Mason Wynn, you want him playing every day. You want him out there five, six days a week. That's not going to happen. He's going to go to AAA, and then, you know, maybe something happens down the line. Uh, I would say the second most impressive guy so far has been Nolan Gorman. Nolan Gorman put in a lot of work this offseason, he came back really motivated. He was really upset with the way the last six weeks went. You know, we all know he fell off a cliff last year. And Major League Baseball is a copycat league, and word gets out quickly. Teams figured out they could get him out with that high fastball last year, and that's pretty much all he saw late in the season. So he went to work on his swing. Now he's fouling that pitch off. Now he's hitting it the other way. He's really made huge strides and. Like you see now, Ali Marmol is getting him reps at third base. He's going to play third base when Nolan Arenado is taking a day off for DH. And, uh, you know, if the two kids, Jordan Walker and Mason Wynn, have been the most impressive, I would say of, of the guys returning, Nolan Gorman's been the most impressive. That's music to Ryan's Yeah, that is. I, I was. I give a plug to. I'll give a plug to uh, GatewayCitySports.com. You can read a story that's up there now <laughs> on Gateway City Sports. That is about me and my son and my family and experience with meeting Nolan and, and awesome things that he was able to do for our family. And you can read again Gateway City Sports. Um, Papa Swope wrote that article. Um, so John, piggybacking on Nolan Gorman conversation. So who's going to be the starting second baseman? on opening day. Is it going to be Nolan Gorman or is it going to be Donovan and is Gorman going to be the DH? Like where do you see those, that dynamic filling out? Gorman has moved a lot better. He looks a lot better at second base this year. He's had a couple of those plays where he moves to his right, catches the ball and flips it for a double play. He's backhanded four or five balls. Uh, but I still think, you know, Brendan Donovan's the, the gold glove for a reason. Brendan Donovan is, one of the best fielders on this team, regardless where you put him. Uh, he's so dependable. 
you know, he led all rookies in on base percentage last year, first rookie in Cardinal history, which is mind blowing when you think about the history of this franchise. First Cardinal rookie ever to win a gold glove. Brendan Donovan's going to be that guy. You know, I, I could see Nolan Gorman being the DH uh, the, the opening day. Uh, he's going to DH a lot against righties. He even had a home run earlier this season against lefties. Uh, he's going to like, they're, they're looking for ways to get Nolan Gorman's bat in the lineup. I think a lot of times that's going to be a DH. Occasionally it'll be at second. Uh, occasionally it'll be at third. But if, I, if you had to ask me right now, I think Brendan Donovan gets a start on opening day. Well, so it sounds like the consensus, not just with you, John, but with, with everyone, is the Cardinals have enough hitting. But do they hmm. have enough pitching to be yeah. competitive this year? Yeah. You know, I, I've said this, and I think Jack Flaherty would agree with me. If Jack Flaherty is the ace of this team, the Cardinals can contend for a World Series. If Jack Flaherty is their third or fourth best pitcher, I think they'll be, you know, early exit type team that'll, you know, struggle to 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 advance in the playoffs. Jack Flaherty is the X factor who can slingshot this team, you know, from a, from maybe that that lower level team in the National League to a real contender. Jack came to camp in great shape. He's as healthy as he's been since the start of the 21 season, and Jack probably has about 180 million reasons to pitch well this season. You know, so he's he's looked really good. His sliders look great. I think he had six strikeouts in his first two appearances, and five of those were called looking, you know, look, strike three looking. That tells you a little bit about how good his stuff's been. That slider, you know, when he's landing the fastball, that slider's almost unhittable, and he's looked really good so far. So Jack can be that guy who can take a maybe a middle-of-the-pack pitching staff and take them, you know, even higher. Yeah, Jack, uh, I think, has impressed me early on. I got a chance to watch both of his starts. Um, velocity's not quite there yet, but, yeah, yeah. but he's, but he's spotting the controls. Well, the slider looks really good. Um, Steven Matz the other day, he, he's looked really good coming back. He was throwing 95, 96 already on his sinker. Um, he's another guy. It seems like if he can stay healthy, he's going to be, he's going to be a huge factor in the rotation. Somebody we haven't talked about yet, um, that there's been plenty of panic on. It seems <laughs> like on Twitter lately is Adam Wainwright, as I'm sure, you know, he, he had a, a couple outings in spring where the velo was down. His first start in the, the uh, WBC against Great Britain, results were good. He went four. He gave up just one run. I think he had a couple strikeouts. Um, velocity still wasn't quite there. I think he had a <laughs> couple of 87-mile-per-hour sinkers, but he was still in that kind of 85, 84, 86-mile-per-hour range. I would assume that the Cardinals wouldn't have let him or wanted him to go to the WBC. And, you know, if, if this was a really big issue, do you – are you still kind of keeping an eye on him over there and in, in his next start and, and, and looking for his velo to increase? Yeah. You know, Josh, I had the savant pulled up the same time I was watching too. I really wanted to see what his velo was because in those two starts in the spring training, you know, it was not good. And I don't know how many people know this, but we know had a bad case of back spasms uh, right before training camp started. It hit him pretty hard. And he said, he's had a lot of tingling and kind of stiffness in, in one of his legs and it helped, it hurt pushing off. He couldn't, didn't have quite the pop that he needed to push off. You know, we all know Wayne, Adam Wainwright's days of throwing 93, 94 are over, but he's at least got to get to that 91, 92 range. He thinks as he builds up over time, he can get there. You know, if anybody can figure out it's Adam Wainwright, you just worry about him trying to survive at 86, 87. That's going to be kind of tricky. Uh, you know, it could be an ugly season, but 
you know, I, I take him for his word. You know, the the, the back spasms were a real thing, and it, it hurt. It hurt his explosiveness pushing off, and you know, we'll be watching again. You know, I, I like the way he rallied. Unfortunately, he doesn't get to face uh, Great Britain when he when he's playing in the National League. But uh, you know, I will be watching his next start to see if he can get to that 88, 89, 90 range at least. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, we're all we're all rooting for Wayno in his last season. Um, another guy we hadn't talked about that I wanted to hear some about from you is Tink Hintz. He's another guy that's really I, on the pitching side in terms of our prospects has surprised me, uh, just impressed me out of everybody. Do you see him as a future top of the rotation guy? And also, do you see him getting an opportunity to come out of the bullpen this year? Because it seems like the way they've been pitching him this past year, and I know he's still young, but he hasn't racked up a whole lot of innings yet in his starts. Do you think they'll go a route kind of like they did, you know, five, six years ago with Carlos Martinez when he first came up and was coming out of the bullpen? I think that's a good comparison. You know, it's his stuff is electric. I, th- I think he's got star written all over him. I mean, here's a kid who's 20 years old out there in spring training games. He is not scared in the least. He went right at Pete Alonzo in one of those games, got Pete Alonzo to ground out. I mean, that, that curveball is nasty that he has. Yeah. Uh, he touched 99 on the radar gun. But like you said, I think he threw 56 innings this last year at at, at Palm Beach. Uh, I think he'll probably start this year at Peoria. Uh, by the end of the year, who knows? He could be all the way Peoria, Springfield, uh, maybe even Memphis. I think he's a year or so away. They want him to build up that arm, build up that arm strength. But I think the kid has absolutely electric stuff. I mean, that's how Ali Barmal uh, categorized it electric, like his arm is electrifying. And it, even at 20, he's not afraid. He's out there, you know, pitching with more confidence than anybody. And I'm going to be so excited to watch him because Tink is Tink is a is a good guy, and he knows he's good, and he will tell anybody out there that he's good, and he's going to be great. So it's going to be, you know, it's going to be uh, unreal to watch his growth over the next year and a half. And you know, I don't think he'll make an appearance this year. But I think he could be a guy in that starting rotation next season. All right. All right, John. So a lot of times what we like to do is get whenever we have people on is not only just talk baseball, but also ask about other things and learn about the writer. Because not everyone gets to know about you and your story and, you know, how long you've been on the beat and where you came from, who you grew up rooting for. And we've talked to Katie and Tim McKernan and. Uh, Jeff Jones and a lot of guys we've of people we've had on the show, and we just like the audience to be able to, you know, get to know you a little bit. So, how long you've been on the beat? Where can people find your writing? All those types of things, so we can be able to uh, give you publicity as well. This is my second year on the beat, uh, but don't, don't let that lead you into believing that I'm like some young guy or anything. You see these gray <laughs> hairs down here. I actually covered the NBA for 24 years. I worked in Orlando, uh, covered the Orlando Magic there for a long time, covered them in the finals. But I, if you guys can't tell by my twang, I, Josh and I kind of sound alike. Oh yeah. I'm from West Tennessee. I'm, I'm a guy who grew up like a lot of your listeners, a Cardinal fan. My grandfather was a Cardinal fan. My father was a Cardinal fan. They used to load into the vehicle in West Tennessee, drive four hours and Bob Gibson would be on the mound and the game would be over in two and a half hours. And they're like, we drove all that way for that. <laughs> You know, so I grew up with I grew up with Cardinal baseball in my blood. Like I was at the 2011 World Series when David Freeze, uh, you know, hit the double off the wall that Nelson Cruz should have caught. 
Uh, I was there when he hit the home run. I was there in game seven. I was there in 1982 as a 12-year-old kid. So that tells you how old I am. Uh, so, I, you know, like I said, I, I was a basketball guy. I didn't think they would ever hire a baseball, you know, hire me to cover a baseball team. But, you know, the Cardinals have been always my first love. It was a connection with my dad and I. My dad told me, he said, if you don't take this job, I'm driving to Orlando to kick your butt. Uh, you're, you're taking the Cardinal beat writer job. So, you know, this has been a dream come true. You know, there I was last year uh, sitting, talking, hitting with Albert Pujols, maybe the greatest right-handed history hitter in history. And I'm having to pinch myself. I'm like, what would I tell 10-year-old me who was sitting in the old Bush Stadium in the third deck up there, you know, watching a Cardinal game and, and dreaming about going to Cardinal games. 90% of my vacations as a, as a kid were going to Cardinal baseball games. So, you know, Cardinal baseball has been in my blood for 50 years. And, uh, you know, I'm on the other side of it now. I put the fanboy side away and I'm a, I'm a journalist covering this team. But, you know, there are times when I have to look around and just kind of pitch myself. See, that was my favorite answer the whole day, over the whole oh, yeah. day. See, that's what people <laughs> yeah, want to hear for- about. That Forget all that gain, baseball You're going to gain stuff. more followers yeah. and readers from that answer alone, I promise. <laughs> Look, I can talk Cardinals baseball all day, every day, anywhere, with anybody. But, like, the stories that people tell us about their – their even Katie, when not being a fan, when she said Buster Posey's a Hall of Famer, and I declined. <laughs> I do disagree. Her favorite player is, like, Barry Zito, which is, like, my right. nightmare. <laughs> but, like, I still like to hear those stories and, you know, and how you get a part of – your, your baseball fandom. Like I was at in the world series that I was at the world series in 2011 as well. It's just like those memories are forever. Even if you're working, but you were, weren't even working. You were just there as a fan, which, you know, shows awesome. And I love the yep. story of your dad. I yeah. like all that. I don't think uh, Josh <laughs> sounds as West uh, Tennessee as you I'm losing it a little bit. I tell people yeah. Memphis, but we talked, I'm, I'm from a little town in Arkansas. So my wife yeah. tells me that the accent is still bad, but then my parents come in town or we go back home. She's like, okay, it's actually not that bad. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Sometimes I go back home and uh, my ears bleed from the way the, the English <laughs> language is kind of butchered, but you know, I'm, I'm a Tennessee boy at heart always will be. And, Hey, Tennessee, West Tennessee is big time Cardinal country. And, you know, I, I lo- absolutely love that. That's a winter podcast. Like I was the kid who grew up listening to Jack Buck laying in the bed, waiting for him to say that's a winner. You know, it, it still gives me chill bumps to hear that's a winner. You know, when I walk to the, I walk to the stadium every day and I pass those gates and they're playing the old recordings and I hear Jack Buck's voice and I get chill bumps all over my arms, just hearing the greatness of Jack Buck. So I love the That's a Winner podcast name. That's that's my favorite podcast ever. I'm, I'm telling All you guys right. right now. There we go. <laughs> well, look, you've already gained fans. Clip, as clip you, that. Uh, yeah, we got to say that part. But as you see from uh, from YouTube, Austin says, love John Denton. So All look caps. at that. Uh-oh. You're getting, you're getting Thanks, fans Austin. already. You know, so. oh, the check's in the mail, Austin. I appreciate it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, you talked about Albert. Uh, and I know you, you told me this summit winter warm-up. You talked about you know how fun it was to, to get to cover him this past year. and you guys would joke with each other and call each other old man and everything. Yeah. I know he was in camp visiting, I think what this past week, did you get a chance to see him or catch up at all? It was actually a day off for me. I, I missed oh, him, I missed which him. I, which I hate because Albert was my guy last year. Like he, he was so incredibly good to me. I could tell you guys baseball stories about Albert, but I'm going to tell you this story. I had plantar fasciitis last year. First time in my life. Uh, I've had two knee surgeries, a shoulder surgery, nothing ever as painful as plantar fasciitis. So Albert sees me limping around the clubhouse one day and he says, old man, what's wrong with you? What's, why are you limping? 
I called, like you said, I called him old man. He called me old man. And I said, I have plantar fasciitis. Albert whips out his phone. He gives me the number of the team doctor who did his surgery and says, call him and tell him Albert Pools told you to call. And sure enough, that doctor put me in touch with someone in St. Louis. I got my plantar fasciitis healed. Like that's the kind of person Albert Pools is. When the cameras aren't there, when, you know, when, when it doesn't matter, a, a lowly peon like me, he was willing to, you know, reach out and help me. And, you know, I, I couldn't have been happier the way Albert treated me. He shared his story with me uh, of thinking about retiring last year. You know, I broke that story right before the playoffs that Albert almost quit in the middle of last season. People talked him out of it. He was struggling so bad in April and May, he thought about walking away. Albert trusted me with that story. When uh, I went to him and I said, let me get your memories of your first home run, your 100th home run, 200, 300, 400, 500, 600. Albert gave me like an hour's time talking about that story. So, you know, I couldn't be, I couldn't be happier with the way Albert Pujols was. And I just want people to know as great as he was on the field, he's as, he's as good a person away from it too. That's awesome. Well, it mean, doesn't surprise me with Albert, honestly, all the stories we've heard. Well, and I want to, I want to say, like, I don't know, twist of the negative side. So that he gets a lot of bad PR and, and stuff last year because of his wife, right? So I <laughs> wonder. Uh, this is you can. This is rhetorical. If you don't want to answer, John, but is is this is this bad PR that he got b- because of the wife? Is that just something that was stewing for a long time and that we just don't know the full story? And I think yeah. because people just make up their own what really happened, and it gives people like a bad rap if that makes sense because everything yeah. i've seen and everything like you talked about has just been an a plus human being you know none of us know what goes on behind closed doors between a husband and wife and i'm gonna leave it that way all i know is the guy treated me with the utmost respect i was a guy who was a basketball guy and albert wanted to know about kobe bryant and lebron and you know that sort of thing and he trusted me with some of his best stories and you know, he treated me with tremendous respect, and I'll never have anything but admiration for the guy. He's a Hall of Fame player, and he's a Hall of Fame person. Awesome. Love to hear that. We got another comment here from NY on YouTube. John's done a great job with the beat. Appreciate all of his updates. Man, we just did you wow. just send the link out to everyone, <laughs> that, all your family? and get Yeah, these, the... are, these are my family members who are, who are, who are commenting tonight. <laughs> well, let me ask you about uh, Tennessee again. So um, we had Logan Sawyer on the podcast um, whenever he signed and he's from Tennessee. So I was wondering any updates on him and if you've seen anything with him in camp, um, I haven't seen anything much because he, he's not been with the, the main club. So I just wondering if you have any details on his from Twitter fandom um, to then now, then he signed with the Cardinals. Yeah. He's got a quite a story. You know, he, he's a guy who basically took his videos and sent them around to all the teams and he's getting a shot now in the minor leagues and, Actually, I got the, the minor league schedule the other day. So that's one of my, you know, my, my next goals is on my off day, I'm going to go to a minor league game uh, that will usually have like a single A, double A team uh, game here. And then they'll play the double uh, A, triple A or high A on the road. So, uh, you know, I definitely hope to go see him, Tennessee guy. So I'll be, I'll be watching closely, but I haven't gotten to watch him pitch yet. But, you know, if he, if he, if he wears the orange of Tennessee, I'm silently kind of rooting for him a little bit. So yeah, he's got a great story. And, I, you know, the way he throws that fastball, who knows? He could be a guy who could move through the chain quickly. 
Yeah, and he really believes so. He came on our podcast. He was playing independent ball where I'm from in Evansville, Indiana. And so I reached out to him, and he, he came on the show. And he was an awesome guy. Josh wasn't here for that episode, but he was amazing. He's a, a man of uh, God, and Josh and he would have just been best friends. But we're now uh, – we, we text now, and he's just been incredible. Um, so a big fan of him. He really thinks that he has a chance to make the club at some time this year because – of of that and so that's you know and he talks about being a knoxville guy and uh, we're in indianapolis so a big peyton manning fan so we talked about that he's just been a, he was a really mm-hmm. awesome guy so we're definitely rooting for him so we'll look for any of those uh, any of those updates that you may have um coming forward ny asks again on youtube he asks john what was your favorite memory of last year i, I got to assume it's going to be something albert Pujols related. <laughs> well i mean i could tell you is albert Pujols hitting 699 and 700 and you, you mentioned Katie Wu the other day, and when that happened, Katie and I looked at each other, and we were like, we both had to back away from our keyboards for a second and said, wow, that just happened. That really just happened. You know, the the way that that guy could just summon greatness was amazing. You know, maybe he didn't do it as often as he did in his 20s and 30s, but you could see that greatness was still there. The way he could, Ali Marmal put him in the third inning one time, bases loaded, pinch hit. And the guy hits a grand slam. Like it was that second half, you know, in, in St. Louis, usually they don't remember seasons where they don't win a championship. You know, it's it, for the most part, that was a forgettable season. But because of what Albert did, because of Yachty and Wayno setting the record, I think that's a season that will live in a lot of Cardinal fans' memories for a long time. For Albert to get to 24 home runs at 42 was unreal. You know, at, and, and then 699 and 700 just seemed – it just seemed magical. It seemed like a, a great guy, a great player, one last time kind of summoning that greatness. And, you know, it was that, that, that'll go down as one of the favorite memories of mine from last season. Well, it, it's, it's funny you say that whenever I was growing up, um, you know, I was, I was in high school when he first came up, but we would always say pause for greatness as, as friends when he would come to the plate and you know, pause for greatness. Cause at any mm-hmm. moment you knew, it was kind of like McGuire in, 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 in those days of hitting home runs. It was like something's going to happen. I, I may have told this story on here before. I was, a, I have, was having an emergency appendectomy surgery. My appendix was about to burst, Ooh. and they're about to wheel me out, and Albert comes up with the bases loaded. I couldn't even tell you what year. This is probably 06, probably. And I, they're about to wheel me out to, the, to go to surgery, and I said, hold on, Albert's up. <laughs> pause for greatness he hits a grand slam i said oh, okay wow. we can go now <laughs> wow so that's wow. part of my memories even in the hospital bed about to go to, into surgery just things like that but go ahead that's Josh, a great story that. that's a great yeah. one i like that ryan and i have talked about i mean yeah these last two seasons typically like you said you know when, when there's short playoff stand or they miss playoffs or whatever it is it it seems like forgettable years but these last two especially this one with albert but even the year before, I mean, Ryan, with the with the, the, the win streak, win streak yeah, absolutely. Ryan and I were in Chicago when they broke that win streak. I think it was the fifteenth win or sixteenth mm-hmm. win in a row. And um, yeah, these last two seasons, despite you know the bummer of how the playoffs went, I'll just I'll remember forever, especially with Albert. I think I told you at winter warm up, John. You know, because my daughter was with me, and she's twelve now. She'll be thirteen this summer, and and just taking her. I mean, we probably went to five or six games this year. I saw Albert hit some home runs and. It was just really cool to tell her, like, you know, I was your age. Yeah, <laughs> this guy was doing this. Yes, which yes. is just it is it's crazy. You can't fathom that, especially 
you know, no one, especially after the last couple of years he had, nobody expected him to, to come back with the second half that he had, which was just a lot of fun. We're getting a couple of questions here about bullpen, which we actually haven't talked about yet. Um, so, so Seth here is asking about, do you think Zuniga, I forget his first name. I believe he's playing Guillermo. with. Yeah. Now, Guillermo. the Cardinals just acquired him pretty recently, right? They signed him. Yeah, they signed him over the offseason. He spent six years in the minors with the Braves and the Dodgers. And he's a bit, you know, he's six five guy, uh, throws really hard. He hit 102 the other day with Columbia. Uh, he, looked, he pitched. He uh, yeah, they're game. upset of uh, Mexico, but you know, I you know, I we don't ask Ali Marmol who's monitoring it. He's watching it. He saw it. He said, you know, it, it his eyes popped out of his head when he saw 102 on the gun. He threw the five fastest pitches in that game, but with him, it's all about control. You know, can he? Can he land that pitch? Can he come with a secondary pitch behind it? So the Cardinals are definitely watching. You know, you have that kind of arm. Imagine putting him in there with Hicks and Helsley. That's three. That's murderer's row right there that no hitter wants to see. So the Cardinals are definitely monitoring it. And if he's a guy who can ever harness that fastball and throw it for strikes, he could be something else. I mean, he reminds me a little bit of, um, what was it, Luis Garcia? That we had a yeah. couple of years ago, the Cardinals picked up. I think he From was a Yankee. Yankee. Yeah, yeah, he was a Yankee prospect. Same kind of issues, right? Like Garcia was kind of struggling with control, and they came over the Cardinals and just like put it all together. Um, so maybe mm-hmm. Zuniga can be a guy like that and really help out the bullpen. Um, I I haven't seen a whole lot of Gallegos yet with Team Mexico. Maybe I've just missed some of his outings. I I know that the couple of spring outings he had it looked like he was working a lot quicker. Do, do you? I know he's a guy that there's been a lot written on from from you and others about you know the pitch clock could be, it might take a little bit of him to get used to. What have you seen out of Giovanni so far with the pitch clock and how he's kind of acclimated to that? Yeah, you know, Josh, it's it's still very much a work in progress because they had him on the mound working with a big clock behind him. I, there was a clock probably bigger than the screen uh, behind the catcher on the first couple of days when he was pitching and. You know, Giovanni was yelling at the guy about setting, you know, restarting it at the wrong time, and it was going too fast. And, you know, he admits it, it's going to be a work in progress. He he never knew he was a slow pitcher until everybody said, wow, you work slow. And he said, <laughs> it's not about being slow. It's about taking my time and trying to, you know, get my breathing right and think about where I want to make this pitch. Obviously, he's got to speed up. And, you know, it, it may have been the worst thing ever, him going to the World Baseball Classic, because – they're playing with the old rules. So, you know, he had a, like a week and a half or so with the with the new rules. Then he goes to WBC with the old rules, and now he's going to have to come back with a week or two and, and try to get it down. And, you know, he's a valuable piece of that bullpen. You need that guy, that seventh, eighth inning guy, that bridge guy who can get the ball to, to Helsley at the end. So they're going to need Giovanni to pick up the pace and, and to, to get over this mental hump about this. Uh, you know, they're also looking at, he likes to come set and then here and then here. They're going to wipe that out. They're going to call box on that this year too. So he's got to get over his windup and he's got to get over the pitch clock. And, you know, they want him to speed up that delivery totally. Well, as we're talking about some of those new rules, um, do you think that the pitch clock is, is a big change? Is it for a lot of guys or is it just the few that it's going to mess with? To me so far, what I've noticed, it's not a huge change for a lot of a lot of guys just from my visual watching of what i've seen but i also don't think it should be like i think it should be more like the nfl play clock where it is a 
view, like, oh, it just it's close, let it go type thing, not like a buzzer for the NBA. Like that's yeah. like the, the difference how I see that it should be instead because it takes more time to stop the play because <laughs> they because it hit than it would if you just let them pitch at that moment. So, you know, what are your thoughts so far on some of those rule changes? I kind of side with Miles Michaelis here. He says, hey, let's stop calling it a pitch timer. Let's call it a hit timer. I think it's going to have more impact on the hitters than it will the pitchers. I think the pitchers, for the most part, are on the rubber and ready to go. It's the hitters who want to step out and pull their wristbands and pull their batting gloves, and they want to disrupt the pitchers. I think it's going to have a bigger impact on the hitters. We all joked last year when word of this came down, Skip Schumacher wouldn't be able to play in today's game. Like, <laughs> you guys remember he would undo this oh, yeah. one, undo this one, pull every this. Pitch. It would so, every yeah, pitch. Every pitch, Skip would Schumacher would do that. Yeah. yeah. yeah and it was a tactic. Yeah, it was a tactic last year. People would step out on Miles Michaelis. He's a fast worker. Steven Matz is a fast worker. Uh, Dakota Hudson, who's gotten so much grief, is actually a fast worker with nobody on base. It's when runners get on base when he bogs down. But the Cardinals, for the most part, are a staff full of fast workers. Wayno likes to work fast. Wayno says he's more effective when he's working fast. So, again, I think it's going to have more effect on the hitters than it will the pitchers. Yeah, and that's a good point. Like, so if there's a no hitter going, or if guys just can't make contact, like your your job is to mess up their timing, right? I mean, that's what you're kind of like get them out of out of rhythm. So that could be a big part of it, especially like. Max Scherzer when he's just rolling and just pumping as fast mm-hmm. as he can, and then all of a sudden it's the seventh inning. You have no hits or no walks, and you're like, "Oh crap, what are we <laughs> going to do now?" Yeah. <laughs> oh, think about the other end. I just thought about like, what if there's a you know perfect game scenario going on and, oh, and an automatic ball gets called? Can you imagine? <laughs> can you yeah. imagine if, if you just took one second too long? Yeah, <laughs> to I, throw that pitch. And that's why I think it's n- like the ninth inning. Is there going to be a? Is it going to change a little bit at, in the future? Like if because it shouldn't be decided like that. Like, it's not that. It's about speeding the game up, not about changing a play to make a winner, right? Like, right. that's how yeah. I, I view it. And I think the best analogy is the NFL clock. Like, it shouldn't be this drop-dead buzzer. It should be like a a little half-second deal. My I, I, I've told people in the stadium, if you've ever gone to a football game where there was a, a no-huddle offense, that's kind of the way it feels now. Like, you don't have time to look away or write something down in between pitches because they're coming fast and furious. And it feels like covering a, a football game with a no huddle offense. And, you know, announcers are having to get used to it. Chip Carey was telling me the other day, you don't have time to tell a story anymore. What yeah, the yeah. world would, what would, what would Vince Scully do? A guy, you know, who would stretch out a story over a whole inning. His stories would last three or four innings in today's day and age. You know, Vince Scully was great. I, I'm kind of partial to, uh, Jack Buck, but what would he do in this day and era where, you know, there's 15 seconds between pitches and it, it feels like a, a hurry up offense and, you know, you don't really notice it. And then you look up and the game's almost over and it's been two hours and 20 minutes. So you can, you think you can feel it at the game. So well, like, I bet you can feel it working on deadline too. Yeah. I, I went through <laughs> high school sports for a while. So I bet you guys love it on the beat. Yeah. Yeah. The, you, you, you do feel it during the game. I don't think it's a, as, uh, as sped up as maybe it might feel on TV. But, you know, like I said, you, you look up and it's like, wow, we're in the eighth inning and the game's only been going for two hours and 15 minutes. I think fans who, you know, we all know people have children, they have jobs, they have to get to work the next few days. People are going to really like it in the middle of the week. 
you know, you're not going to be looking at that three hour and 45 minute game or that three and a half hour game that starts at 645 and it doesn't get over till 1030. You know, now you're going to, you're going to have a nice tidy three hour window for baseball. You know, maybe, maybe it bothers a few people when you're at the game, but I think it's going to, I think fans are going to like the, the pace. Like we want to see action. Let's see more singles, more runs, more stolen bases. Like I grew up in the age of the stolen base of, of Vince Coleman and Ozzie Smith and Willie McGee and Ricky Hendersons and those guys. That's when baseball had movement. That's what I want to see. And I'm hoping that there's not as much focus on the clock as there is, you know, more stolen bases, more action in the game. That's something, I mean, we, we talked about a little bit because we've seen some of the pictures. Of, I mean, the new base sizes are pretty significant. <laughs> like, they, they do they look as big as they do in the pictures, John? Uh, Josh, it looks like a, a large pizza. If you went to Emo's <laughs> and got the large pizza, that box would be the base. Like, it's it's pretty significant. You know, I, I, I wonder if it's going to cut down on injuries or cause injuries, you know, possibly, because yeah. that's a big old base. And, you know, but it, like I said, I hope there's more stolen bases. Like that's one of the best things about baseball that I love going and watching is the cat and mouse between the catcher and the pitcher or the catcher and the runner cat and mouse between the pitcher and the runner. Like that's, that's real baseball right there. And I hope it brings a stolen base back to baseball. Well, so I haven't paid enough attention. Has that changed already in, in spring spring training training stuff? Yes. Yes. Um, uh, Runs are up. Singles are up. Stolen base attempts are up. Last season in the minor leagues, stolen base attempts were up 26%. And, you know, Major League Baseball thinks it'll probably be in the 20% range is their best estimate so far. And, you know, this this spring compared to last spring, stolen bases are up some. I, I don't have the number on me right now, but I know it is up over what it was in 21. Mason Wynn stole 40 last year. Was that on he the bigger like, bases? He stole like 43 or 44. <laughs> what was that on the bigger bases? I don't know if it was on the bigger bases. I know it was with the pitch clock and with limitations thrown. I'm not exactly sure on the bigger bases, but you couldn't throw over as much. Yeah. So what do you think? Like, you know, obviously Tommy Edmond had a good year last He's year. He's stolen 30 plus right. the last couple of years. So what do you think this base and, you know, being able to pitch over thing may do for his running game? So I was having a conversation with Tommy and I said, you stole, you know, 35 bases last year, whatever it was. And I said, stolen base attempts went up 26% in the minor leagues. And Tommy being the Stanford guy, he figured it out right away. He's like, okay, that puts me at 48 steals for this year. You know, he had the math already worked out in his head, like right away. He thinks he can get to that 45, wow. 48, maybe 50 stolen bases with Tommy. It's all about own base percentage. His rookie year, he hit 304. His uh, own base percentage was in the 380s, I believe. But since then, he's been the 260s on base percentage in the 330, 340 range. If Tommy can somehow get that own base percentage back up to 360, 370, he could be a guy who could really steal 50 bases this year. Yeah, that that would be. I mean, that would that would be really interesting. I'm a big Tommy fan, and got to talk with him a little bit at winter warm up and rooting for him big time. I got my autographed jersey. I didn't get to hung up on the wall, <laughs> but it, but it's ready to go for. Uh, oops, it's ready. There to you go. go. There it's, we ready go. To, nice. it's ready to go. Nice. It's Tommy two bags on it too. It's ready nice. to go. Um, so obviously last year uh, we're going to let you go here soon. I know we we appreciate all the time. Uh, last year, um, Albert Pujols was your 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 favorite, obviously guy to, to talk to. Who's your guy going to be this year, or have you already gotten a guy that you've already enjoyed? 
um, talking with and, and, and getting to know and being friendly with? You know, more of the, the fan side than maybe the, the reporter side. Yeah, you know, um, Lars Newbar, you know, everybody loves Lars. Uh, I, I tell people all the time, like Lars told me last year, he said, I'm the one guy who can get under Paul Goldschmidt's skin and he does not don't want to kill me. <laughs> I'm the one guy who can make Goldschmidt laugh. I can one guy who can embarrass him and get away with it. Uh, you know, everybody loves Lars. Uh, like you said, Tommy, Tommy is as nice and as smart. Like I feel smarter just talking to Tommy. He's so off the charts, intelligent, a guy you want to be around. I told you guys that, that, you know, the Albert thing was my favorite thing to see last year to witness the best story of last year was, was from Andre Pallante. So first off, Andre Pallante finds out that he makes the team. He's the last guy on the roster. He finds out he makes a team at like 7.15 a.m. East Coast time. That's 4.15 back in California. His father grew up. He bought him all the books about pitching. His dad would come home from work every day and throw the ball with him, pitch with him, talk pitching with him, study his all his videos in every game he ever pitched in. So Andre, not wanting to wake up his father, texts his father and says, I made the team. Well, the 20 seconds later, the phone rings and it's dad on the other line, other end of the line. And he says, dad, did I wake you up? And he said, are you kidding me? I haven't slept in two weeks. So that was, <laughs> that was one of my favorite stories of the season. So, you know, that, that sort of thing, like that gives you chill bumps when you hear that kind of story, that kind of father son relationship. Uh, knowing that, you know, he couldn't wait to tell his dad and his dad was wide awake at 415 on the West Coast, had his fingers crossed that his son would make the team. That's awesome. Yeah, love it. See, those are the things. Again, we can talk baseball all day, but I like the the other stories, the other parts the of human it. Element <laughs> of the it, human, yeah. human element of all of it is, is what makes sports fun, right? Can I give and, you the other can I give you the other Andre Palante story that Absolutely. I put yeah. it on Twitter? But so the day Wilson Contreras he signed had his press conference. Andre Pallante came down to the press conference and Wilson comes off the stage. He does all his obligations and he comes out and he introduces himself. I'm, I'm an Andre Pallante. I'm a relief pitcher. He says, I have a ball. I need you to autograph it. And I need you to autograph it as 2023 St. Louis Cardinal or whatever. And he wanted to give it as a Christmas gift to his fan, to his buddy, who's a big Cubs fan. So he was trolling the Cubs, uh, <laughs> trolling his buddy who was a Cub fan. And he actually saw my tweet. I actually ruined the surprise. The guy messaged me and said, hey, you know, it, you ruined the surprise, but I still thought it was epic. And that's the kind of like low-key humor that Andre Pallante has. Uh, you know, a lot of Cardinal fans were saying he was a legend after doing that to, to kind of needle a, a Cub fan. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. We need that as much as possible. Uh, yeah. All right, <laughs> yeah. John, we'll, we'll let you go on this one. So where do you think the Cardinals are ending up? Uh, you know, how do you, do they win the division? Do they get out know, of the first round? Get out of the first round. <laughs> like what happens with the Cardinals? Um, you know, what predictions do you have? What's your expertise on? Well, Cardinals I think the, I, I think they actually clinched the NL central about two weeks ago, considering how the state of that division, you know, uh, Will, will the second place team in that division win 75 games? Maybe. I don't know. It's, you know, it's, we all know that winning the division is low hanging fruit. The, the Cardinals are going to win the division just like they did last year. Uh, you know, it, like I said, it is, is Tyler O'Neill going to be the, the guy he was in 2021 or 2022? Is Jack Flaherty going to be the pitcher that he was in 21 when he started eight and one? Or is he going to be the guy who it was hurt all the time? 
Uh, you know, there's so many X factors. If, if Jack can be that guy, if Dylan Carlson can be the guy who hit 18 home runs in 21, as opposed to eight home runs in, in 22, you know, there, there's so many X factors on this team. Is Jordan, is Jordan Walker going to be that guy? You know, he's is he going to be the same guy he was in spring training? You know, I, I think the Cardinals are going to be a good team, but let's face it. The national league is an arms race right now. The Phillies are spending money like, Going, it's going crazy. The Padres are trying to buy every player out there. The Braves, the Mets, the Mets have a $300 million payroll. Like the National League is an absolute gauntlet. The Cardinals can be better and still get eliminated in the first round of the playoffs. But if they can get those X factors, if they can get the Jack Flaherty's and the Tyler O'Neill's and the Dylan Carlson's to take it to another level, Tommy Edmund, Stephen Matz, Jordan Montgomery, if those guys can be their best self, the Cardinals could be a contending team. Awesome. All right. I well, didn't John, really go out on a limb there. No, but. You, you didn't go on a limb. That's <laughs> fine. I, you know, and, and I don't think that you have to spend all this money. And I think the DeWitts agree to be even compete with those teams. Cause I don't even think the Mets are the best team in their division and they've spent, you know, tons and tons of money. Mm-hmm. Let people know where they can find um, all of your stuff, your Twitter, your you yeah. know, ML, MLB.com, <laughs> like everything that they can be able to find and read your stuff. Yeah, my stories are on MLB.com and Cardinals.com, you know, every day during the season. And uh, I also do a newsletter that comes out twice a week. You can go to MLB.com, click on your favorite team. There's a listing there. Click on Cardinals. Uh, you'll get my newsletter that comes out. I'm able to kind of give a, you know, a side uh, of these players away from the field. Last year, I found out that Tyler O'Neill can play the classical piano. Tommy Edmund can do a Rubik's Cube in 60 seconds. Like, Weird stuff like that that you would never learn about a guy. Able to kind of show another side to the players. So Cardinals.com, uh, MLB.com. I'm on Twitter, John Denton555. Uh, you know, my stuff is, is posted there every day. So I, I enjoy interacting with the fans. And, man, I appreciate you guys having me today. Uh, we, we appreciate you coming on, and we enjoy the story. I mostly enjoy the story about your dad and being a grown-up Cardinals fan. So Yeah, got to <laughs> do it again. Appreciate yeah. the time, man. I'm, I'm yep. glad we got to meet and connect, and we'll definitely have to do this again soon. Obviously, you'll be pretty busy during the season, but uh, maybe we can catch you uh, again pretty soon, maybe toward the All-Star break yep. or before the season starts. We, we'd love to do it again. It was a blast. Sounds good. My pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Thanks John. John. All right, take care. All right, well, John Denton, I it was great. That was uh, great. Yeah. I, again, I like the stories about his dad. I like the stories of growing up a Cardinals fan. Like that, the human element is just so much better. And the stories of Albert. I mean, it, all of it was was good stuff. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, you know, we I told you we got to talk a little bit at winter warm up, and even just hearing where he grew up. It's actually like twenty minutes down the road from from where I went to college, which is funny. It's just a small world. Um, so it's fun to catch up with him, and he had some. Like I thought, I mean, he had some great insights, right? He's there. I mean, he, he writes for MLB.com on the beat. So he's there every day. Um, that was fun, man. We got to do that again. It was fun to connect with him. And, and I mean, we didn't even get into some of, I, you know, Goldie, r and I, I mean, there's just so much. I didn't even much ask about could... Valley Sports. I want to yeah. talk, I oh, talk yeah, he about brought, the... He brought up Chip. Yeah, yeah, his impressions of Chip so far. Yeah, But we... I want to talk about the, the bankruptcy. bankruptcy. Yep. They, they filed Chapter 11 today, I think I saw, yep. uh, towards the end of the day. Um, it sounds like the Cardinals make <laughs> make them money. So yeah. they're like trying to hold on to the teams that make the money, but I don't think that's really going to work out that way. But we had a lot of questions that we didn't get to everybody. Um, like I can scroll and just see oh, a bunch yeah. of questions. expectations for Carlson. Uh, Do you think Will King Margaret, you guys makes the team? I haven't seen, and I know he was somebody that they got in the rule five draft. So they've either got to like, 
from my understanding is they either got to put him on the 40 man, take him, you know, opening day or I I, I think he just, they just, you know, lose him essentially. Okay. Yeah. Or King Rodriguez. Um, I, I don't know. Look, I got to be really, really honest. I don't really intently watch spring training. Yeah. And I don't intently care about the WBC either. Like I, in the off season, uh, I, I just don't like it. It doesn't get me going. Like now I went to spring training like 10 straight years and went down there and oh, just nice. enjoyed it. Like went on vacation at the same time, like in, in that part of it. But like, I don't get my jollies just like digging into who's going to be, who's going to make the team. Who's right. going to do this. Like it, it just doesn't do it for me, but I like to talk Cardinals baseball. And so like, that's, you know, that's the big part of an opening day. Like I love, I live for opening day. Yeah. And we're getting close to that. I've watched a little more spring training than I normally do this year because it actually, you know, in years past, oh, yeah, it's it's a competition. You yeah. know, if you, if you hit, if you pitch, and then they send, you know, it, it, somebody will be hitting great and they'll still right. leave them in AAA. Because it doesn't whatever. matter. They say no, it doesn't it's mean already anything. set. This yeah. year it actually, it actually it feels, feels like that. It definitely feels like yeah. positions. I don't, I don't feel like the roster. The outfield specifically. I don't feel like the roster is a competition. Like, I think we know who's going to be on the roster yeah. pretty much. I think Give or take a few spots in like the bullpen and the outfield. Right, but I think that we know, we don't know who's going to start start at certain positions, which we is, don't, e- look, which we is don't different. even know who's going to, you know about starting. We don't even know who's going to start opening day right now. Right. I mean, if you wanted to hedge your bets, you'd probably say Wainwright, maybe, but at the, this point right now, like if he's throwing 85, well, I don't think you could throw him out there. On you also day. have to think the Cardinals actually open on actual opening day this year, right? Which is at different. home, which is that hasn't happened in a while. Right. Either. That's what I meant at home. Yeah. yeah. So the, usually they are the second week. Um, it's the Thursday, like the second Thursday of, of the year, so like seven days after yeah. real opening day. This year, the Cardinals are home on opening day, so that makes it even a bigger start. Because you know, if it was, if it was at home the second week, Wayno starting one hundred percent because they're just going to line it up that he starts at home. Opening day, opening day. I don't, I don't know what to expect. I think you have to set it up differently instead of nostalgia. You yeah. have to set it up to to start winning games right away, and you're also not playing. Usually, you play. Like the Reds on opening day, you play you're playing the Blue Jays. You're playing the Blue Jays, who are a good team. Like it's time to start winning as soon as you get going. Like yeah. opening day is usually pomp and circumstance. This year, it's about we're playing a really good team, and and we're going to play a lot of really good teams. Every team we're going to play this year, not just some of them, which is going to change as, as well. So, if I had to, if I had to pick or bet right now, I think it'd be Michaelis. I think he's looked really good this spring. He's looked he's looked great at the WBC. His velocity is there, control all that. Um, you know, another good season from him last year. I think I'd probably give him the ball unless Jack these next couple starts just blows you away. Yeah, I, I honestly, I, I, I thought like Jack said he wanted to start, but yeah. is he going to say no? I'm now nah, I don't want to. Like you know right. what I mean? Like I just think that I think if Wayno's anywhere close to just fine, that they're going to start him for nostalgia's yeah. sake because it is the Dewitts and it is about money and about getting people excited oh, yeah. for for the season and and the last run of of Adam Wainwright. What what else you got? Anything else? The only thing we didn't talk about that I thought was pretty interesting I sent you today was an article in The Athletic. I can't remember who wrote it. It was like two or three writers. It was a, it was a team thing. It wasn't Katie, but uh talked about Goldie meeting with Aaron Judge in the offseason. Oh, right. Yeah, that? you shared that. Uh, yeah, that today. A, I, di- I didn't get to read it. but That was a cool – that was a really interesting article. Um, it, Goldie actually reached out to Aaron Judge, and they kind of texted a bunch, and it turned out to him Goldie – Driving three hours down to I believe it was Tampa Bay, um, to meet to meet Aaron Judge, and they spent 
like you know hours together in the cage. Goldie picking his brain, talking hitting. He was obviously talking with Goldie about hitting, and um, I thought that was really interesting. And Goldie said that he's done that over the years with with lots of different players. Just you know, well, I mean, the dude hit sixty two yeah. runs. Well, that's what Goldie said like, hey, in the article. He was like, well, and he said, he's like, I don't think I can help him. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I think he talked to Goldie a lot about um, hitting with two strikes, right. which which I I'd mentioned. You know, Aaron Judge, not surprising, led the league in home runs with two strikes, but he also hit like one ninety six. With two strikes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which is still pretty impressive that he had 21 home runs. Right. So anytime he did get a hit in two strikes, it's pretty much a home run. But obviously Goldschmidt did really well with that batting average, everything last year. So I think they talked a lot about that. And it was just cool to see Goldie, like at his age, just won an MVP first of his career. Like he's still going, he's still going after it. Like he still yeah. wants to get better. He's looking old though. Have you noticed? Gray hair, going in the beard. He's getting the, he's getting he, the dad yeah, beard going. Yeah. I noticed. It's like, man, MVP told it made him old. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Let, let's I, hope the bat is not yeah. old. This well, year. Let, let's just say it. Just, let's just hope it goes all months of the season. Yes. Not not the fade off in the mini, middle. Yes. Or the, I mean the end in the beginning. Just play all hey, the he, year. He and Nolan have said that you know they've like they're sold on the WBC helping helping that not be the Hopefully. case. So. I'm all for it if it does that. No, no one's just been ripping the cover off the ball at the WBC. I bet him to win uh, MVP already. I did. I, I like the sound of that. I bet it. The max they would let me bet. I think it was like $130 or something is the max they'd let me bet for him to win MVP. So I, I bet every penny they would let me. I love the sound of that. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, um, we will have to do, let's see here. We haven't done like uh, usually we do predictions. Yes. Obviously, we're not going to do that tonight. Maybe we try to hop on another another episode before. Yeah. The so season opening starts, day is over under predictions. Opening day is April first. No, is that wrong? Or March thirtieth. March thirtieth. Okay. March thirty first. Is there March thirty first? I was close. It's like one day off, right? So the point is, we're March thirty first. We're a couple weeks from there, right? Two weeks. Fifteen, up. sixteen days. Yeah, something, something like, that. like that. So we're we're like two weeks from there, so we can go on and you know my dream for this yeah March thirtieth. Okay, my dream for this show is one day we're live on opening day, um, you know at Ballpark Village. At Ballpark Village, we're doing the show live and and at having Valley or whatever it's called live. Yeah, it's at not going to be studio. Yeah, well, no, not in the studio. Just like in the Cardinal Nation, there's a little there's a little radio spot. Yeah, we could just do it right there. Um, Gino, you could set that up if you know somebody. Um, yeah, there we go. Yeah, um, well, you know. Post game, we're right there. We're just live streaming. We're talking. Uh, that's where I see the future because opening day, I love. I love opening day. It's not about baseball, really. It's it's about everything else. It's about seeing the Red Jackets. It's yeah. about seeing the Clydesdale legends. It's a legends, and and you know, we lost a lot in the last few years, and and it's it's just a, that's what it's all about for me. So like leading up to that, that's what gets me excited. My son is two years old. This will be his third opening day. Like. This is that's what it's, that, this is what it's about is opening day and, and you know seeing games every year on that day. So that I would get excited for, and so we'll we'll have one more show probably before that, and then right after, because uh, you're going that weekend, I'm going that day, right? Yep. So we'll do one like you know that Monday after or so as well, and then we'll get into a weekly ish every two week, um, situation and and keep on Hop rolling on. from there. Yeah, yeah. And well, well, the problem in season is having guests in season. Right, um, especially the beat writers. Yeah, the beat writers and, and stuff like that. So that will be what we're going to try and do better this year um, and have some guests that may contribute a little better to the show in season um, and maybe even some 
reaction right after games because sometimes I'm just so angry. I, it's best that I just don't go on air <laughs> or I just go into a hole. Don't want that out there on right. the recorded. Right, exactly. <laughs> For people to pull up and meme. Okay. All right, well, uh, this has been That's Winter Podcast brought to you by Jersey Flock, Lids.com, and Breaking Tea. Get your Grind the Pepper shirt. I've been putting that one out there. Oh, yeah. You know, grind the Pepper. Then that one's, we, should, we should get, like, the Japanese team to I, I, I be, tag the yeah. There's been Japanese writing in my D in the DMs in the uh in like the tweets of like I need this shirt translated yes. from Chinese or Japanese. Oh, that would be fantastic and, and like awesome. Yeah, but um, get go to breakingtea.com/slash/that's-the-winter-pod to get uh they have new shirts, they have grind the pepper shirts, they have Tommy two bags shirts and hoodies which we have and what else do you have uh Arnado one don't you yeah yeah all kinds. We've um, got everything. Um, Jersey Flock, get your jerseys if you want a jersey. I got one right here. That's a Jersey Flock. Yeah, nice. Old school. Got a Bob Gibson one. This one turned out real nice. So look, how long did that take to get? We talked about this. This took a couple months to okay. get in. So the point is, so order them now. Yeah, look, if you want them by the All Star break, yes. get Jersey Flock. Uh, the last one I, I ordered came in about three, three, four weeks, which okay. is pretty three, good. That's three, four pretty, weeks. Three, four weeks is not they had, great. They had some shipping issues there for right. a little bit. Um, yeah, they've had some shipping issues, <laughs> right? But they've all arrived, and they they turn out nice, and they look I mean, great, they're good quality. I have I bought multiple of them, and then I end up getting them autographed at winter warm up, and I meant to just buy them to wear them, and then right. now they're autographed, and so now I can't wear them, but. Jerseyflock.com. Do we have a, a slash? That's a winter pod for that? I don't remember. I'm not sure. We have a link for it. Check our we link tree. Link, yes. link tree on Twitter. Link tree on uh, Facebook. Um, YouTube. We have a link tree. Use the link tree and use those to be able to find all of our links. Anything that you do there supports us. Uh, we get a little kickback for all those different things that helps us and helps uh, buy all this equipment and everything that we're able to do. Um, and yeah, and this room, it's the first first episode here. Um, we're going to get a lot more stuff on the walls. Um, it's going to look a lot more festive. Behind you, we're not going to show a door. We're going to maybe a Cardinals <laughs> flag like going on. We'll, we'll have some stuff looking a little better. Um, but, yeah. What else? Anything? That's it? I think that's it, man. Thanks for joining. That's Winter Podcast. I'm Ryan. That's Josh. See you. Shooter from the belt to the plate. A swing and a miss. And that's the winner! That's the winner! A World Series winner for the Cardinals! Smith corks one into right down the line! It may go! Go crazy, folks! Go crazy! It's a home run! And the Cardinals have won the game by the score of 3-2! And a home run by the Wizard! Go crazy! Swing and a long one in the left field. Adios, goodbye, and maybe that's the winner. A three-run homer by Clark, and the Cardinals lead by the score of 7-5, to five, and they may go to the World Series on that one, folks. What a team. What a ride. The Cardinals are world champs in 2011.